Welcome to Agent of Wealth Podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps small business owners and retirees overcome the multiple wealth planning challenges involved in your financial life. We do this by creating comprehensive wealth management plans to guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and help create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth planning issues involved in your financial life. Hello and welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis of Boudis Financial. Today is part four of a series that Mark has been doing on last chance financial planning. And it's all about taxes and insurance this time. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning, Mark. I'm great. How are you? Oh, doing fantastic. It is a beautiful day out, and I'm looking forward to the weekend. We're getting here toward the end of the week. Have you been productive this week? It's been a, definitely been a productive week, but I am also looking forward to the weekend. Nice. Nice. Any big plans? Uh, no, not this weekend. All right. It's- Relaxation. Before the holidays. Before the holidays hit, we got to get a little rest. Yeah. All right. Where are we starting today with our podcast? Yeah. So, the, like you said, this is the fourth episode in a, in a series. And the first three episodes, we covered investments, retirement, health, any changes that you may have experienced throughout the year. And then what uh, financial planning topics correlate to those and, mm-hmm. and what you should be thinking about by the, uh, by the end of the year. So, in this episode, we're going to cover taxes and, and insurance. All right, let's go. So, all right. So, before we start, I want to uh, to you hear a lot from you know people like Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey about mm-hmm. cutting expenses, and you know they'll they'll talk about cutting out that that daily Starbucks coffee mm-hmm. or eating out less, and those do have actually a big impact overall if you look at you know the the amount that you spend over a, a lifetime on those. Yeah. For example, on your your daily coffee. If you look at the opportunity cost, and if you didn't spend that, it adds up to about 130,000 in lifetime savings. And then, if someone wow. eats out, uh, spends 240 dollars a week, it actually comes over a lifetime to about 1.2 million. If you add in, you know, what if if you actually took that money and invested it or saved it in uh, for retirement? Wow, and that's a huge we, number. Yeah, it's it's a both are a huge amount, but. Um, if you look at it and if you look at, okay, I want to cut expenses and, and really focus on what I should be, you know, where can I make the biggest change? What do you think the, the, what do you think that the expense that all of us spend the most amount of money on? Is there a mortgage or food? Boy, I'll tell you on an average, I would say that, yeah, I I would call it probably rent or mortgage depending on, on your situation. It's probably what you spend the most money on. It's actually taxes. So when you, when you look at it, you know, we, we, depending upon what tax bracket, how much income you have, you know, you're, you could spend 20, 40, 50% of your, your income on taxes. So if we're going to yeah. focus on one area where we can really make a difference, make a big difference in, in our finances, that's probably the best place to, to look at, to start, at least start with. Yeah. Mark, you, when you bring that up, it's f- so funny because I think of spending money, like, like you said, I'm going out to eat and I, I hand over my money and I get my food. I, I go to Starbucks. I hand over my money. I get my coffee or, or whatever. Go to the movies, right? Uh, we don't physically go and hand over our money with taxes usually. Sometimes you do, I mean, depending on your situation. But for the most part, it's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't yep. see it. So you don't think about that. So yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah. So like you said, you don't, we don't think about it, but, and often what happens is, you know, it, we, we file our taxes in April. So maybe February, maybe March. And even some people it's April 14th, we start thinking about exactly. taxes, start gathering things. And often at times it's a scramble and get everything over to the, to the accountant, to the CPA and taxes get filed. But uh, what I'm really proposing is take some time now to, to really strategize and, and see what, what types of improvements you can make. Mm, yeah. Actually, especially now, uh, now or especially this year, because of the tax changes that that were passed last December. Whether you're a small business uh, owner, uh, an employee at a company, or even a retiree, these tax law changes are gonna gonna affect everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, we are probably about mid holidays because uh, it does take just a little bit to process this podcast and get it out there. So time is critical for you. So l- have a listen to what Mark is saying and get somebody in your corner to help you out with this or just to be able to answer your questions. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely you, you want to be on the same page. You want your financial advisor, your CPA and uh, you and any other professional to all really work together and figure out, uh, you know, what what strategies, what changes or what should you be doing with your taxes to really, you know, maximize or minimize the the impact of, of having to pay them. Mm-hmm. And what what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, we, we build a when I sit down with someone and we, we work on a financial plan, we'll look at investments, we'll look at goals, we'll look at estate planning, charitable giving, retirement planning, cash flow, budgeting, uh, any assistance to to loved ones like gifting or saving for education, but taxes cut across all these Mm. and, you know, it can really make or break your, your financial plan. So, you know, I can't hit home and hammer home enough that uh, it's, it's definitely something critical that, that we all should be looking at. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, with this podcast, I'm going to, with this episode, I'm going to go, we're going to cover a couple of strategies that I think uh, some of them are definitely related to the new tax law, but some are just ones every year that we should be thinking about. And really, uh, you know, hopefully they, it's going to be general, general strategies. And it definitely makes sense to sit down and go over them with your CPA, with your advisor uh, to see if they do pertain to you. But, um, you know, they, they, hopefully they, they will help improve a tax situation. All right. So how many strategies are we talking about today? We're going to cover three. Okay, great. And the first one we're going to talk about is bunching deductions. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, you know, when, when we go and pay, we pay our taxes every year, we're allowed to claim various tax deductions that uh, enable us to reduce our income and obviously pay less taxes that, that we normally would have. And these deductions are allowed by the IRS and they encourage activities like charitable giving or, um, they allow us to, they act as subsidies to things like more to buying a home and taking out a mortgage um, and but with the new tax law, it's it's important to properly plan for these deductions um, because there have been some changes with them. So previous, to, so in 2017, when we all filed taxes for that year, we had the option of taking a standard deduction, which was six thousand three hundred fifty dollars if you were filing as an individual, or twelve thousand seven hundred if you filed as a married mm-hmm. couple. So what that means is right off the, the top, you're able to pay taxes on less income than you than you would have if you didn't take that take that deduction. In 2018, with the new tax law, it actually is almost doubled. So now we can take you can take twelve thousand as an individual or twenty four thousand mm. as a married couple. So what the IRS is trying to do is trying to funnel as many people through this standard deduction and not having to itemize, which we'll cover in a, in a, in a second, mm-hmm. um, and really take the standard deduction and simplify the, the filing of taxes. Uh, 
Got it. But if your if your deductions are over that twelve thousand or twenty four thousand for twenty eighteen, you can itemize them and theoretically take a bigger a bigger tax deduction. So, but the problem is a lot of those uh, tax deductions that we were able to itemize are now gone. So the IRS removed mm-hmm. them or disallowed them, and and doesn't allow us to take them. So one option which I mentioned or one strategy is this bunching of deductions. So what we do here is we we want to take – we're basically going to flip-flop every other year. So one year we're going to take the standard deduction and then the next year we're going to basically maximize as many deductions that we can itemize and then take the – take the uh, and then itemize and take more of that – a larger deduction in, in that year. Mm-hmm. So what that means and uh, you know, how we actually do that is you postpone deductions one year and then you accelerate them in the next year. So – one option is if you are making charitable contributions. So instead of evening them out and making something, you know, let's say the same charitable contribution every year, you're going to double up in one year and not make it the next year. If that if that makes sense on how to uh, how to instead of you know we're always looking to spread or even out our expenses or our deductions in the in the bunching strategy, we're actually doubling in one. And minimizing in the other. Now, it, it, you can also do this with things like medical expenses, your state income taxes, and property taxes. And some of these expenses, you, you're you're not able to, you know, we don't have control of when we pay our mortgage, mm-hmm. right? But you do have some flexibility in how you pay your property taxes, how your state income taxes are. And even if it's not that you're not paying in one year, it's that you're using that basically end of year to accelerate some of the expenses one year and then the next year you're going to postpone them into the following year. So it's a it's a it, the bunching of deductions is definitely a strategy that um you know you should bring up to your if your CPA doesn't bring it up or if your advisor doesn't bring it up, it's one that you should discuss with them. So let me just clarify for my own brain here and and for people that are thinking about this in the audience, let's say you give uh, charitably and you you give $500 a month to a specific charity in your in your town or in your neighborhood. And that's something that you do to support them. And then you're also giving to your church uh, through your tithe and offering and things like that. And let's say that's a $1,000 a month for that. Uh, so you've got 12000 to the church. You've got 6000 to another charity. So there's 18000 And then you've got you know some other deductions, some other things out there that are going to total well over 24000 You're saying that if you hold off on those, so the first year you take the standard deduction of 24000 if you're married, and then mm-hmm. you don't give to those charities. You don't give to the church at that point. You just hold it off until January uh, of that following year. You give your lump sum, if you will, to your church that you saved up from the previous year. You give to that charity that you've been saving up from the previous year. And then you give throughout that year to your church and to that same charity. Now you've given double in that year. So that, that what was it, 18000 That 18000 that you had given to the charity and to the church now are it's doubled to 36 because you're putting it all in one year. Exactly. So, so yeah, so you'll, so what in this example, what it comes out to is you'll take the 24,000 one year and then the 36,000 the next year instead of Mm -hmm. just 24 and 24. So it's, it's a way that in every other year you can, you can increase the, the amount of deduction that you, that you do get. Got it. Got it. Thank you for clarifying. So we're going to jump into strategy two, which is harvesting tax losses for the year. And this one isn't related to a change in the tax law, but it's one that we really all should look at if we have uh, investment accounts or any type of asset that we've experienced a loss in. uh, The government allows us to deduct up to $3,000 a year for any capital losses Mm. that that we receive. Okay. 
here's an, an, an example. And, and actually, this is really becoming more relevant with the, the recent market volatility we've, we saw in October. Uh, we, you, you may look at your account and you may see some investments that you do have a loss. And what a capital loss really is, is that if you purchase something at one price and if you look at it now, the price of it now, it's either more or less. If it, if it is worth more than what you purchased it, it's, it's considered a capital gain. Uh, however, if it's worth less, it's considered a, a capital loss. Mm-hmm. And if you do sell that investment, you're able to take a deduction on your on your taxes for it. So let's say someone bought Apple stock for $100 and now it's $90. If you if you sell it before December 31st, you're able to take that ten dollars and deduct it on your on your tax return up to three thousand for the for the year. And if you if you do have more than three thousand in in capital losses, you don't actually lose them. What you do is they they carry over into the next year. So you can use them for the next year for the deduction Hmm. or also what they're used for is you can net them against any capital gains. So if you did have a capital gain, your losses would offset offset having to pay tax on them. Got it. Okay. So the the action item here is go through your your investment accounts, look at what you've purchased your your investments for, what they're currently worth uh, now, and then make that determination whether to to sell them or or hold on to them. And if you do sell them, you can you can buy buy the the investment back. However, you do have to wait 30 days before before buying it back. Otherwise, you lose that ability to deduct it on your tax return. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's a it's it's a simple strategy. It's one that's very easy to to do, but one that we all should be looking at. All right. Okay. So the third strategy is to rethink some of the previous tax strategies that may not hold true anymore after the new tax changes. So, for example, uh, one theory was to when you retire and you start withdrawing money, you want to pull from your retirement accounts last because of the tax deferral. Uh, now, what what we want to look at now is with tax rates at historic lows, it may make sense to implement a strategy called filling up the tax bucket. And what we do here is we'll withdraw as much as as we need to from the from the IRA or from the the tax qualified retirement account until we we get to the top of your tax bracket bucket, and we withdraw just enough from that IRA to not go into the next or the higher bucket. And once we get mm-hmm. to that point. What we would do is is then start withdrawing from the from the regular taxable taxable account. So you, your withdrawal strategy may change, also with the new with the new tax rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, also another another um, I guess norm or or thinking that we had with with uh, finances was buy as much house as you can afford. Mm-hmm. So the previous thinking was buy as big a house as you can because you're going to get to deduct the mortgage interest, the property taxes. However. With the new state and local tax limitations, which are up to ten thousand a year, uh, mortgage interest limit. Um, so the mortgage interest that we're able to deduct, in conjunction with rising interest rates, the federal government's no longer subsidizing home ownership as much as they have previously. Mm. So, those are two things that you know we may have thought this is the way that we should do things. However, with the new tax changes, we may want to reconsider them. Got it. Yeah, definitely have to take a look. Yeah. I guess the last thing on taxes that I wanted to cover were, were business owners. So there are changes to taxes for businesses as well. So these are not just individual, you know, individual tax changes. If you own a business, uh, there's definitely been some tax changes here also. Mm-hmm. So there's you're, you're in, what you're able to deduct, what you're able to depreciate. That's all changed in these new these new tax rules. So the, the first change is that the corporate tax rate is now 21 percent and the, the corporate AMT has been eliminated. So you you're allowed to 
and that's the corporate tax rate. If you are a self-employed business owner, you may be allowed to take up to a 20% deduction for for qualified business income. Mm -hmm. uh, so depending upon how you're structured and what a lot of business owners are looking at, whether they're regular corporations, whether they're S-corps or regular their LLCs or however they're structured, you do want to take a look at it and see if there is a way that if you change the, your, your corporate structure, could could you realize a tax savings by by doing that? Yeah. And Mark, can you tell us what what is corporate AMT? The AMT is an acronym for Alternative Minimum Tax, and what this, I guess, in, in its simplest sense is if, in, as a corporate, or it's also on the individual side, if you earn over a certain amount, you lose certain deductions and have to pay mm -hmm. a, uh, an increased tax for earning that over that certain amount. So I, I guess, at its simplest sense, it's, a, it's an additional tax on high-income earners or high-income businesses. All right. We're going to segue into, into insurance. You know, this is a this is a, the series about uh, year-end financial planning. Mm -hmm. uh, we all we all should really look at our insurance policies at least once a year. You know, whether you do it at the end of the year, beginning of the year, mid, you know, anytime, it's it's really uh, another good exercise that we should do to to see if there is any way that we can better our insurance situation. You know, we're talking about life insurance, disability, auto on your homeowner's policy, long-term care, any business policies that that you may have. It really, you really want to look at every single type of insurance that you have. And, you know, I'll come across some people that have tens of twenties, 30, 30 different policies. And what happens is it's very easy to, to purchase an insurance policy. You set up to pay the premiums on auto pay every month or every quarter or every year and years go by and you never look at at these policies and see if there can be any improvements made on them mm -hmm. so you know there are a couple things that you should be on the lookout for so the first is insurance companies change rates what may have been the best rate when you initially got the policy is no longer the cheapest or the best type of coverage for you mm -hmm. uh, you it, it does make sense to shop there may be another company now that's offering discounts that the other you know the company that you currently have the policy with doesn't does not offer and like a specific example, your personal situation may have changed. So you may have you increased your net worth, increased your assets, and it may make sense to get an umbrella policy to have that extra liability mm -hmm. coverage. So mm -hmm. you want to look at where you know where what's your financial situation now, what's your exposure, what's your liability if something did happen. Um, so it's it's definitely definitely uh, an area that you want to to look at as well. Mark, going back to the uh, policy that you've got on auto pay. Let's say you've got a 10-year policy, be it term, as just the example. You've got a 10-year term, and it's one, one price the entire time, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But then that 10-year comes up, and you just kind of don't see the, the mail that comes to you. I'm sure that they, they're legally bound to send you something to, to tell you that it's, you know, the, the rates are going to go up or whatever. If after that 10-year term, if it continues and they change the rates and they up the rates, does that still get auto automatically taken out of your account? Do you well, know? so in, in this specific example, the answer is no. It would be a, it's a separate policy that you'd have to, to, uh, have to renew, to agree, yeah, renew or, or agree to. It's more along the lines of like your homeowner's policy or your auto policy mm -hmm. where, where it's just going to keep renewing until you either tell it to stop, you know, or, or you, you know, proactively, Go to the insurance company and and ask them to to review it. Got it. Yeah, I just I just I I fear people being out there just having things on auto pay and all of a sudden the the <laughs> the amount has gone up but they're not aware of it and they're automatically paying more and more and more every month you know, for different things and and that happens in all sorts of industries not just insurance uh, but yeah I just it's 
makes sense to pay attention. Yeah, de- definitely. All right. Okay, but you did you did bring up the topic of of term life insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I wanted to to review with that was, uh, you know, a lot of times if you work for a company, they have a benefits package. You get offered. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll have a baseline term coverage that they offer, mm-hmm. and a lot of times the the employer will cover that. But then they offer supplemental insurance to increase the amount of that uh, that that life insurance coverage. You want what you want to do is before just accepting it and saying, okay, I'll I'll take that coverage. You want to compare that with what it would cost to get an individual mm-hmm. life insurance policy. And the biggest reason is that if you're part of a group coverage. The way the insurance company prices that is they group everyone, you know, they take an average of everyone's health and that's how they price the the group coverage off of that. If you're healthy, if you're not a smoker, you probably can get a a cheaper coverage by getting an individual policy. So you do want to review what your your company, your group benefits are versus if you did get them, uh, you know. By yourself, what they would be. Yeah, you don't want to be lumped in together with that one IT guy that sits there and chain <laughs> smokes and eats hoagies all day. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The another one where things may have changed is disability insurance. So when you first got a, a disability policy, you know, you may have been making earning a certain amount of income. However, you know, your income may have increased over the years. Your expenses may have increased mm-hmm. over the years. The need for uh, disability insurance may increase as well. So you yeah. you want to look at whether it makes sense to take out a new policy or if your existing policy allows you to increase the amount of coverage without having to take a, another medical exam. So you do want to look at your options with that as well. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the last type of insurance was long-term care. Uh, so this is one that you know we all don't don't want to think of of getting old and and you know needing that. Yeah, but it's that so long- important. So, yeah, so I don't is, mean to interrupt is, you, but it's really with, important. With, yeah, especially with the boomer generation mm-hmm. aging and, and living longer, the need for caregiving, the need for long-term care is is just going to increase. And there are different ways to, to cover that. There's a straight long-term care insurance policy. Now what's becoming more popular are people are combining it with a regular life insurance policy. That way, if you wind up not needing the long-term care insurance, it would become a death benefit as, as part of the life oh, insurance wow, policy. You wouldn't lose the the premiums that that you've paid for it. I didn't know that was an option. That's great. Yeah, it it, it is, uh, and you know it's becoming more and more popular. And you know, long term care is the, I think the most interesting type of insurance because the insur- we're finding the insurance companies don't even want to offer it anymore. They're mm-hmm. not sure how to price it. They're they're pe- like I said, people are living longer. It's so it's definitely something that that well, we all should think about. Yeah, and you know the theme with all these these insurance with this insurance review is it's it's similar you once a year put it in your calendar review all your insurance policies talk to your insurance broker talk to your advisor and see if there's anything you can improve with them it's a simple step it takes 15 minutes to to proactively you know make that call to the broker make that call to the advisor and say you know is there anything that can you do a review on my my policies and you know doing that you can save thousands of dollars yeah, there are very few industries where this applies because if you think of it, uh, think about you having a car. If you've got a 2016 car and you're paying $400 a month, what are the chances that you can go and talk to the dealer and say, hey, do you have 2018 cars or 2019 cars that are cheaper and will give me more benefit? <laughs> That's true. That and, true. And it, they, just, they just don't, right? It just yeah. usually doesn't. Uh, but with insurance, it is something where – all of a sudden, a couple of years later, a company is putting on some sort of, they put some things together and it's a better price, it, it's better coverage, it, whatever it is, and you can 
a lot of times you can get out of the policy that you're in because you're not yeah. locked in and you can just change to something that's going to benefit you and your family more. So that's definitely something you should be looking at every year, if not twice a year. Yeah, I agree. All right. So in wrapping up and closing, what have you got for us today? Yeah, so this was the the fourth and the, the last uh, episode of this series for year-end financial planning. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in in the uh, you know going back, the the first three episodes in this are you know are are on wherever you hear the podcast on. Uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna segue into our next series, which is all gonna be about financial freedom, passive income, and what we'll call that the holy grail of of finances. <laughs> getting to that you know where we can all stop working or work however we want to. Yeah. and not really have to worry about that money coming in. Oh, I'm looking forward to that series. I could uh, I could use a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> not that I don't like Same doing here. the podcast Same with here. you, Mark. I yeah. love it. But <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to be able to uh, look back on, on my lifetime somewhere on a boat or a beach. I just love water. Yeah. So that's where I want to be. Great. Well, I, I thank you for your time today. It was great information. Again, everybody out there that has questions, please contact Mark. Contact his office. They've got answers for you. And better yet, they work with professionals all around their community. And if they don't have the exact answer, they know who to get involved so that you can get the answer to your question. Thanks again, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. All right. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Bowdis. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Mark comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. It also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Baudis Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Baudis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment and financial planning.